Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of 19-year-old LaQuanta Riley, who disappeared from Montgomery, Alabama on December 7, 2003. The night LaQuanta was last seen, she was in the company of an unknown person. She was last seen leaving her mother's home in a car with a person she described as a friend from the neighborhood. But no one in her family ever saw LaQuanta again. Almost 18 years later, LaQuanta is still missing. What happened to LaQuanta the night that she was last seen? And who is responsible for her disappearance? This is LaQuanta's story. Before I get into LaQuanta's story, I need to start this episode a little differently this week because this is a time-sensitive story and I wanted to get this information out there as soon as possible. 14-year-old Jashia Moore is missing from East Orange, New Jersey. Now, as you know, I usually don't cover stories about teenagers under 18, but I also can't ignore them, especially as my platform grows. So thank you to Natasha for being the first person to send this story to me on Instagram. Now, Jashaya's family said that, you know, Jashaya is a good girl and they need your help in spreading the word about her disappearance. On October 14th, 2021, the 14-year-old left her home to walk to a corner store That day, Jashaya is seen on surveillance footage purchasing some items, but the items she got were paid for by a man who police say is fully cooperating. Apparently, the EBT card that Jashaya had been given by her mom got lost, and so she did not have the money to pay for her stuff when she got to the store. But Jashaya left the store alone, according to the surveillance. Her mother said that she waited for her daughter to return, and when she did not show up, she went out looking for her. Jashaya visited at least one other store that day that she was seen on their surveillance camera. Her mother, Jamie, said that Jashaya is a good girl who would not run away. She is smart, and she would not put her mother through something like this. Apparently, Jashaya was also scheduled to testify to a grand jury in an assault case against her stepfather. Now, although it's not clear from the reporting what involvement Jashaya had or why she would be testifying— Now, Jashaya has been missing now for almost a month, and her family is desperately searching for her. So please, please share Jashaya's story. Please, let's help her family. This story deserves way more attention than it's getting. 
Jashaya is five foot five inches tall, and she weighs 135 pounds. She was last seen wearing khaki pants and a black jacket. So if you live in East Orange or nearby and you know anything about her disappearance, please contact the Essex County Sheriff's. So I really want to say thank you to everyone who suggests cases to me. I really appreciate you all sending me suggestions because the reality is that there are so many cases. It can be overwhelming sometimes deciding which story to cover next. It's also difficult to find cases with enough public information to create a story from. And so when you all suggest cases, sometimes they're cases that I've heard of and forgotten about, but a lot I've not. I also appreciate the case suggestions because as our show grows, creating a community is very, very important to me because the bigger our community grows, the more the stories are being heard. You probably listen to this show because first and foremost, you're a fan of true crime, but you probably also listen because the stories I tell are stories that don't get the attention they deserve. But we are helping to change that. You listening to this show and sharing it is changing that. So just know that our community is growing. You are helping to make a difference by simply tuning in every week and listening to these stories. So please continue to share the stories, tag me in stories, email me stories, keep them coming. And I want to thank our listener, Jacqueline Williams, for this week's case suggestion. The story of the disappearance of LaQuanta Riley is very much a mystery. This has been a story that, despite the very strange circumstances, has not gotten a lot of media attention. But after 18 years, her family is still looking for her and trying to find out answers about what really happened to LaQuanta the night that she left her mother's house. LaQuanta Riley was born on February 24, 1984. Pamela, LaQuanta's mom, was just 16 years old when she gave birth to LaQuanta. Pam was young and not quite ready to raise a child on her own, and so Pam's Aunt Katie took on the responsibility of raising LaQuanta. Pam, however, made sure she kept a very good relationship with her daughter. She would make sure to send letters to LaQuanta and visit when she could, and Aunt Katie would make sure to send Pam school pictures of LaQuanta so that she would stay connected to her daughter. LaQuanta was the oldest of five siblings. Growing up, LaQuanta was happy. She was described as bubbly and well-liked by her peers. In middle school, she played the clarinet. LaQuanta loved music, but she also loved to cook. In 1996, however, tragedy struck when LaQuanta's only sister died. She had apparently suffered from an unknown illness and died when she was just nine years old. Now, although there isn't very much information about her sister, I'm sure losing a sibling at such a young age was a tough thing for LaQuanta to deal with. Those closest to LaQuanta said that she had always been very ambitious. In high school, LaQuanta worked hard, she was an honor student, and during her senior year, she received a full scholarship to college. LaQuanta's plan was to major in forensic science and criminal justice. In 2002, LaQuanta graduated from high school. After graduating, LaQuanta, like a lot of young women, wanted to live on her own, and so she and a friend from high school decided to move into an apartment together. And so in 2003, LaQuanta and her friend moved to Eufaula, Alabama. Now, things seemed to be going fine at first, but around Thanksgiving of that year, LaQuanta and her roommate slash friend got into a heated argument. Now, it's not clear exactly what they were arguing about, but whatever it was, was enough to make LaQuanta move out. Now, from what I could gather, LaQuanta left the apartment after the ar argument, but it's not exactly clear where she went for the 
two or three days. But on December 5th, 2003, LaQuanta went back to the apartment she had been sharing with the roommate to get the rest of her belongings. Her mother, Pam, recalled that night because LaQuanta had called her to ask her for a ride. Pam said that she could tell during the call that LaQuanta was somewhat upset during the conversation, but Pam said that she didn't want to be too nosy, and so she didn't ask her what was wrong. Now, LaQuanta had called her mom because she wanted her to come and pick her up and take her to her house, but Pam said that she was unable to pick LaQuanta up, and so LaQuanta ended up having to make other arrangements, and she got a ride to her Aunt Katie's house. Now, Aunt Katie, of course, loved LaQuanta, and so she had absolutely no problem with LaQuanta moving back in. LaQuanta's cousin Stacy, Aunt Katie's daughter, was also living there, and LaQuanta and Stacy had become more like sisters growing up. Now, even though LaQuanta was 19, pretty much an adult, Aunt Katie had a no-boys-allowed-in-the-house rule, which for LaQuanta was kind of an issue. I mean, it's probably what drove her to really want to move out in the first place, and it's probably also why her initial desire was to go to her mom's house. Now, during the first week of December, Aunt Katie had been out of town visiting family, but she had spoken to LaQuanta several times throughout the week. On December 7th, 2003, it had been two days since LaQuanta had moved out of her apartment and back in with her aunt. According to Aunt Katie, she spoke to LaQuanta that afternoon. Aunt Katie said that LaQuanta had called her to complain about the fact that she had been arguing with her uncle or cousin because despite the house rules with about no boys allowed, LaQuanta apparently wanted to have company. Now, I said her uncle or her cousin because honestly, I can't figure out which one it is. Reporting about the details of this case kind of say both. Now, I think the cousin angle seems a little bit more reasonable, though, because it would seem like she wouldn't try to have a male friend over while her uncle was home, knowing the rules. But a cousin, you know, she might try to push it with a cousin. So anyway, LaQuanta was upset by the argument, but when she spoke to Aunt Katie, Aunt Katie was able to calm LaQuanta down. You know, she reminded her of the house rules and told her to kind of, you know, let it go. Don't don't be angry about it. And that was the last time that Aunt Katie spoke to LaQuanta. The holidays were always a very big deal for LaQuanta's family. And so they were getting ready for the holiday season. The family had a tradition of getting together and everyone would pick out special Christmas outfits and exchange gifts. And so this time was usually filled with a lot of family and a lot of fun. Now, the past couple of weeks had been tough for LaQuanta. The argument with her roommate, moving out of her home abruptly, moving back in with her aunt, and losing a little bit of her independence, I'm sure all of this had been challenging for LaQuanta. But With the holidays approaching, LaQuanta had a reason to kind of pull herself out of any funk that she may have been in. She had already purchased her Christmas party outfit, and she started buying Christmas gifts, too. So that night, the argument had died down after LaQuanta had spoke with her aunt. And at around 11.30 p.m., LaQuanta left her aunt's home. No one knows why LaQuanta left or what her exact destination was when she left Aunt Katie's house, but she got into a car. And about 10 minutes later, she arrived at her mother's house, which was about three miles from where she was living with her aunt in Montgomery. At around 11.40 p.m., LaQuanta showed up at her mom's house in a car driven by an unknown person. She had apparently gone to her mom's house to get a jacket that she had left there. Now, one of LaQuanta's brothers was home that night, and when she arrived, he answered the door for her. 
Her brother said that he didn't recognize the vehicle that LaQuanta had arrived in. The car he described as a dark green sedan was either a Chevy Caprice or a Ford Taurus. He asked LaQuanta who was driving the car, and she told him it was a friend from the neighborhood, but didn't say the person's name or whether or not it was a male friend or a female friend. So LaQuanta went inside her mother's house, she got her jacket, and then she got back into the car. But little did her brother know that he would be the last person in LaQuanta's family to ever see her again. Hey, everybody. Now, you know it's never too early to start gift shopping for the holidays, especially because today you can save big on a gift they'll use every day. Raycon wireless earbuds. So listen, I really love my Raycon earbuds. They're so comfortable and they fit perfectly in my ear and the sound quality is excellent. I can listen to my music and take calls. I really can't use my phone without them now. With seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise isolating fit, you can start listening right away and keep listening for hours. The audio quality is amazing, comparable to what you get from other premium brands, except Raycon starts at half the price. The new Everyday Earbuds come with three new sound profiles to make sure everything you're listening to sounds its best, with just the right amount of bass. Pure Mode is great for podcast listening, blues, instrumental, etc. Balance Mode is also good for podcast listening, heavy rock or rock metal. Bass Mode is good for hip-hop, EDM, reggae, etc. Raycon offers 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. There's also a built-in mic so you can take calls on your earbuds at the press of a button. So this holiday season, get them something they can use for calls or music, for work or play, at home or on the go. Or pick up a pair for yourself. Trust me, you're going to use them every day. Go to buyraycon.com slash girlgone today to unlock exclusive deals for up to 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry up, this offer is available for a limited time only, and you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon.com slash girlgone to unlock up to 20% off your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash girlgone. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I really believe therapy is so important. So many of us have benefited from therapy, and that's why I love BetterHelp, because they're making therapy more accessible for people. The best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. I mean, we get our oil change for our cars to prevent bigger issues down the road. We see the doctor and go to the gym to take care of our bodies to prevent injury and disease. We do chores regularly, well, some of us, to avoid a messy house. Going to therapy is like all of the above. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. Going to therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. I mean, why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Black Girl Gone listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash GirlGone. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash GirlGone. Now, you guys don't know this, but I'm obsessed with this game called Best Fiends. 
Now, in my humble but correct opinion, it's the best match three style game by far. The rest are basically the same game with different color schemes. So stop crushing the same old candy and try a puzzle game with something fresh to offer. With Best Fiends, you play through actual storylines, compete with good guys, the fiends, and not so good guys, the slugs. Your fiends, they start out as wee baby versions of their future selves. The more you play, the more fiends join your team and the more powerful they become, helping you solve increasingly challenging puzzles as you progress through the game. It's an action-packed adventure and a brain-boosting puzzle all rolled into one. And with new content added all the time, you're never bored. Now, not to brag, but I'm pretty far along on level 100. And still, Best Fiends has literally thousands of levels with more added all the time. So there's always a fresh challenge waiting for me when I need a mental pick-me-up. Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. On December 7th, 2003, LaQuanta left her mother's home in a car driven by someone she knew, but she never returned home that night. Pam, LaQuanta's mom, didn't know at first that LaQuanta didn't come home that night. Now, LaQuanta, of course, had been living with her aunt, who was out of town. Now, her cousin and her uncle lived there, but I assumed that they assumed that when LaQuanta didn't come home that night, that perhaps she had stayed at her mother's house or she was just with her friends. But when one day turned into two days and no one had heard from LaQuanta, her mom started to worry. She found out from Stacy, LaQuanta's cousin, that she had not seen LaQuanta since she had left the house on the 7th. Now, this behavior was very unlike LaQuanta. She would not be gone for days without contacting someone. Also, LaQuanta had not taken anything with her. All of her belongings, including her purse and identification, were at her aunt's house. And so when Pam knew you know, that no one had spoken to LaQuanta and that nobody had seen her, she knew it was time to call the police. Three days after LaQuanta was last seen, her mom, Pam, filed a missing persons report. As with most of these cases, the police, according to Pam, did not take the report seriously. They were hit with the typical runaround about LaQuanta being an adult and not having to tell people where she was. But like in all of these cases, LaQuanta's mother and family knew that LaQuanta had not left on her own. She had no reason to leave. She left everything behind and disappeared. Now, after a week, LaQuanta's family was getting no help from the police. The police claimed that there were no signs of foul play, and so for them, there was nothing to investigate. Now, Aunt Katie returned from her trip, and when LaQuanta still hadn't come home, her family launched their own search efforts. The family printed out flyers, and they started searching in and around Montgomery. They called all of LaQuanta's friends, but no one had heard from LaQuanta. No one knew where she was. LaQuanta's family knew that she had not left without any money and none of her belongings, but police didn't think to seem, you know, that that was odd. One week turned into two, and the police still weren't looking for LaQuanta. 
Her family was getting more and more worried as the days went by, but they were also frustrated by the lack of care the police showed for LaQuanta. Yes, she was 19 years old, but it was out of her character to just disappear. She was seen getting into a car with a person that no one knew, and now she's gone. She had also left behind all of her personal belongings. And so it actually makes no sense that police were not investigating this disappearance. The sad thing is that this is a story of so many families of missing Black women. So rarely do the police in these cases show the same amount of concern that the families show for their missing loved ones. And it's really heartbreaking because so much evidence is lost during this time. It makes it harder and harder to solve as time goes by. But two weeks after LaQuanta went missing, her mom, Pam, received a very disturbing message on her phone. Now, some reports state that it's unknown how much time had gone by since LaQuanta went missing when Pam received the call. But it was either a couple of weeks or, you know, three weeks, two weeks, somewhere around that time. But Pam came home one day and there was a message on the answering machine. And on that recording, Pam could hear her daughter's voice. She said LaQuanta was saying either leave me alone or let me go home. Then, according to Pam, you can hear a man's voice say LaQuanta's name before the call was disconnected. So once Pam hears this message, she immediately contacts the police to tell them about what she's heard. The detectives did come over to Pam's home and they spoke to her and then they also took a copy of the message so that they could take with them. Now, police apparently tried to trace the number but were unable to. However, after learning about the message, police did begin to take LaQuanta's case a little bit more seriously. The message did indicate that LaQuanta was being held against her will. And so after weeks of not investigating, police finally began to look for LaQuanta. After being unable to trace the number, police began to search around Montgomery, but like LaQuanta's family, they were coming up empty. They entered LaQuanta's name into the National Criminal Information Center, but nothing came from that either. Investigators called local hospitals and morgues to see if they had a Jane Doe since all of LaQuanta's information and ID was at home. I mean, could it be possible that LaQuanta was unconscious somewhere, unable to be identified, or worse, could an unidentified body be laying in the morgue? But LaQuanta was not at any area hospitals or in the morgue. They also checked jails to see if there was some off chance that she had been arrested, but she wasn't in jail either. Now, police said they spoke to her friends and went to places she was known to frequent. But again, like LaQuanta's family, they were finding nothing. No one seemed to have any information about LaQuanta. Now, as the weeks went by, one, you know, Pam became increasingly more frustrated with the way the police had handled LaQuanta's case from day one. They never searched her aunt's house where she had been staying, and they never pulled any phone records to try and figure out who LaQuanta had spoken to that night. They also were never able to identify who was driving the car that night that she left. Now, I may watch too much Law & Order SVU because on SVU, if they have a vehicle description, they try to narrow down the suspects by finding out who owned cars matching the description. So maybe that's just on TV because it would seem as though they would do that when they have this information in this particular case. 
Now, investigators, however, said that their job was being made difficult by people who refused to talk to them and by false leads that the family had been receiving. Now, in the weeks and months following LaQuanta's disappearance, people had been calling her mom, giving, you know, her family all types of false information and false leads. Many of the callers claimed that LaQuanta was somewhere being held against her will, which actually aligned with what Pam suspected. Now, a prison inmate told detectives that LaQuanta was killed. He claimed that he had witnessed LaQuanta's body being thrown into a pond in Prattville, Alabama. But then he changed the story and said that LaQuanta had been buried, but he didn't know where. But it didn't matter because they were both lies. He later admitted that he had been lying to detectives. Now, I'm not sure if he was bored or if he was trying to get a deal, but either way, it was stupid and it was hurtful. LaQuanta's family was desperately searching for her, but there was no trace of her anywhere. But they were determined not to give up. Her mom, Pam, did everything to keep LaQuanta's story out there. Years went by and police had hit a dead end. There had been no new information about LaQuanta. None of the leads that they had been given had led them anywhere. And so LaQuanta's case was becoming cold. After several years of nothing, investigators finally got a new lead in the case. Detectives received information that someone was using LaQuanta's name to rent an apartment in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Now, that may seem strange for many reasons. One, Stone Mountain is nowhere near Montgomery. However, LaQuanta did have a connection to that area because that's where she had gone to high school. But the other reason why it was strange is because the name LaQuanta Riley isn't exactly a common name. And so the fact that someone with the same name was renting an apartment in an area familiar to LaQuanta Riley might not be a coincidence. It seemed like for detectives, however, the connection left open again the possibility that perhaps LaQuanta had left on her own. Now, it's not clear whether or not police pursued this new lead or how they pursued this new lead, but Stone Mountain was way out of their jurisdiction. And so I'm sure they didn't hop in their cars and drive to Stone Mountain to see who was actually living in the apartment. But Pam, LaQuanta's mom, decided that she was going to go by herself. Pam believed that LaQuanta was still alive, and so she was hoping that whoever was renting the apartment could give her some answers about where her daughter was. Now, Stone Mountain, Georgia is about a three-hour drive from Montgomery, Alabama, and so Pam got in her car and drove to Stone Mountain to the apartment complex where someone was using the name LaQuanta Riley to rent an apartment. When Pam arrived, she went to the apartment, you know, into the apartment building. She apparently didn't know which specific apartment was being rented. And so she went to speak to the neighbors in the building and show them LaQuanta's picture in hopes that someone would recognize her. Now, she ends up speaking to one man who said that LaQuanta had been living down the hall from him. He told Pam that he had been living in the apartment for about two years, and that one day, LaQuanta had come to his apartment to ask to use the phone. He said that she told him that she had gotten into an argument and she needed a phone. But then he said that the young woman had moved out just days before Pam came to the apartment complex. Now, the problem is, is that it seems like police didn't follow up on this lead. I mean, did they ever send anyone to the apartment complex to check out this story? It seems like 
pulling phone records would have been, again, a helpful thing to do in trying to determine who the person described as LaQuanta had called. Now, there is also no information about the apartment in her name and whether or not it was actually her or just someone with the same name. I mean, how difficult would it have been to find the apartment in her name and then speak to that person who was living in that apartment? Now, this story seems like a series of missed opportunities for investigators. Now, as much as they say they investigated LaQuanta's disappearance, it doesn't seem like they did a very thorough job. Now, let's be real. I am playing armchair detective 18 years later. And so I always have to keep in mind that investigators may have answers that they are not publicly releasing. But at the same time, Pam, LaQuanta's mom, has been very critical of the investigation pretty much from day one. The sighting of LaQuanta at the apartment building was never confirmed and no information exists publicly about who was renting an apartment with the same name. Now, investigators' defense and the lack of movement in the case is that there have been no leads and that none of LaQuanta's acquaintances would speak to police and no one would cooperate. And I get it, but it also didn't help that it took them two weeks to even begin the investigation. And I still have questions. Like, did they ever try to figure out who had been driving the car that night? It would also seem that the fact that no one in LaQuanta's circle would speak to investigators should have been a red flag. Why would they not want to speak to the police about their missing friend unless they were either afraid or involved? Either way, no one to, for no one to speak to the police, that's a very, very strange thing. Now, the lead at the apartment was the last lead that police res- would, would receive in LaQuanta's disappearance. Since the alleged sighting at the apartment building, there has been no other reports of any other sightings or any information about where LaQuanta is. Pam knows that LaQuanta would not have left on her own and just cut her family completely off. I mean, what reason would she have had to do so? Now, according to Pam, after losing her younger sister, LaQuanta would not have put her mom through something like this. LaQuanta was her only living daughter. Now, I've said it once, and I will say it again. People don't just vanish. And so, you know, even when they want to start new lives, they don't make plans. They don't spend money on Christmas gifts and outfits for a Christmas party when they're planning to pick up their entire lives and vanish. LaQuanta left her money, her ID, and all of her personal belongings at home. And so it seems like when she left her aunt's house that night that she had full plans to come back home and not disappear for 18 years. And so it's been 18 years since LaQuanta left her mother's house with only a jacket and was never seen again. In the 18 years since she disappeared, Pam has become an activist in her community, helping families with missing loved ones. Her family routinely holds vigils and rallies for LaQuanta in an effort to keep her story out there. She even started a nonprofit named for her daughter. And despite the years that have gone by, Pam still believes that LaQuanta is alive. And when she was asked how she keeps going without any answers, she says that she trusts God. Like I said in the beginning, what happened to LaQuanta on December 7th, 2003 is very much a mystery. But as always in these cases, someone knows something. I know people are scared to talk to police, and they usually have good reason to be afraid of the police, especially in black and brown communities. But 
They could also be afraid to talk because they're afraid of whoever may be responsible for Laquanta's disappearance. But after 18 years, if you know something, it's time to do the right thing and say something. It's been long enough. According to the Montgomery PD, LaQuanta's case is still open, and there is an $11,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest. LaQuanta was 19 years old when she was last seen. She would be 37 years old now. She was 5'8 and weighed 200 pounds when she went missing. She has her ears pierced and her tongue pierced, as well as two tattoos, one that says R.I.P. Misha, and the other is a tattoo of her name, LaQuanta. If you have any information about LaQuanta's whereabouts or any information about her disappearance, please contact the Montgomery, Alabama Police Department. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We will be back next week with a brand new story. Join us on Patreon for exclusive minisodes and ad-free episodes. As always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Black Girl Gone Podcast. Listening on Apple Podcasts? Show your support for the show by leaving a review and a five-star rating. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.